Well, good morning. It's good to see you. I've got a question for you this morning that I want you to think about, and it's kind of leading us into this new series that we're in called A Better Way of Life. It's this question, and I think we've probably all dealt with this question in our lives once or twice, maybe. So what are you afraid of? What are the things that you're afraid of? I know when I was a kid, one of the things that really got to me was having bad dreams. I remember as a kid having dreams like about ghosts and things like that, and I'd wake up all scared. My mom would comfort me, and she'd try to talk me down and get, put me back to sleep, and uh, th- those were the things that, that made me afraid. But when I was a teenager, a little bit older, uh, it wasn't quite ghosts, but uh, I, I, I learned to surf a little bit when I was, when I was a teenager, and uh, I remember buying a really nice surfboard, right? And so um, I, I bought the surfboard. I was surfing it for a while, and then one night I was dreaming, I dreamed I broke the surfboard. And I woke up in a cold sweat. It was like, oh my gosh, it seemed so real. And, and even, it's funny, this morning, I was, I, was like, I was like in and out of, you know, just waking and sleeping and stuff like that. And so what happened is, is I dreamed my car broke down and uh, somebody came by and picked me up or whatever. And then I had left my wallet in the car. And in my dream, I'm like, oh no, I left my wallet in my car. I don't know if I locked it. And so that anxiety and that fear just started to build and build and build. And so maybe some of you have struggled with, with bad dreams that, that, that really strike the fear of God in you. Like you're waking up, panic, and stuff like that. But there are other things, too, that, that, that we're afraid of. Real stuff, not just dreams that show up in eye, like public speaking. Some of you guys, if I were to ask you, uh, hey, would you mind preaching on Sunday morning? You'd just begin to break out in a, in a cold sweat. Or just to get up in front of a few people, maybe at work, to do a presentation. You're like, your knees are past. And I can understand. It's It's scary being up here in front of all you guys. Not that you're scary individually, but it's just kind of, it's a little intimidating, you know? Seeing all these people looking back at you. And there's no facial expression, it's just eyeballs. You know, and it's kind of dim out there, so I don't know if you're just like looking at me like, what is this, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, kind, of, it's, kind, of, it's kind of scary. And, and here's the thing though, um, there's other things that like some of you teenagers experience, in the way, I know there's some teenagers in the, in the crowd, uh, so there's this fear that has kind of popped up here recently that's been labeled FOMO, right? Have you heard of FOMO? It's been around for a little while, a few years. It's the fear of missing out, right? Because, you know, everything they see on, on social media, you know, it's, it's a, oh, I'm, miss, I'm missing out on this and what my friends are doing and that sort of thing. And, and there's this fear that they have that they're going to be left out. Fear uh, of, of social situations. Like, uh, you, you guys remember when we used to do the whole handshaking thing? You know, when we did, it's like, everybody stand up and greet one another. And, and some people are like, oh, that's the worst thing in the world because I'm just afraid of that close connection and, and people coming up and saying things and I'm going to have to think of something to say back and I don't know what to say to this stranger who's being friendly to me. Not that it was bad, but it was just a little frightening for some of you introverts out there, right? Yes, introverts, just nod your head, yes. Uh, and then, then, there's, then there's this very real fear, students as well, experience this uh, being bullied. They, and even the, the whole idea of cyberbullying. You, you get online and, and you start getting messages and these people start ganging up on you and it's, it's rough, man, to, to, to get that. And, and if, if we're honest, adults, we have some of those same fears that our teenagers have. That fear of missing out, we see on Facebook. That's our social media teenagers. I know you're not there. You're not on Facebook, teenagers. I get that. You're on Instagram and TikTok and all that other stuff. But you guys who are on Facebook, you thought you were... You were you're in, but you're not. Your last 
decades nudes on Facebook. So uh, anyway, so you, you, you fear sometimes missing out. You see everybody in their vacations and, and they're posting their cool food and all that stuff. And you're like, oh man, I wish I had that food. I wish I had that vacation. And so there's that fear of missing out as well. So I think you can relate to that. Uh, and then of course, with all the stuff that we're going on now, this whole, idea, this whole thing of, of COVID and sickness, we, f- we fear getting sick. I mean, really sick. We've got some people in our, in our congregation, people we know that have gotten really sick. Got a text from one of the guys this morning and said, man, after 12 hours, my, my fever's finally, I think it's finally breaking and, and uh, thanks for the prayers. Once, uh, Scott, Scott Claycomb, he said, man, I wanna thank you guys for the prayers. Uh, and continue to pray for those who are sick. Our pastor and his wife is posted on Facebook, man, that, going through it. And so pray, pray, pray that God will protect us because that's a very real fear. You're all wearing masks, of course, required by law, but you know, behind that mask, there's, there's some real fear that, hey, I could get sick and this could really mess me up. We have health concerns. We're afraid of the other C in, in our lives, the, the cancer word, you know? Uh, that, that I might contract something and my life be close to the end. We fear our own mortality. I was thinking about that this weekend. Just turned 51 in the summer, right? Okay, so I'm out there laying sod, and I'm like, this is really hard. It's 90 degrees, and I had to stop like every 30 minutes to go and get some water and just cool off and fear of getting old and that not being fun. It takes a lot of guts to get old. I hear some of our senior adults it's no fun being old, they say. It says it takes guts to get old, right? I, I see, maybe see some of you guys nodding. It's, it's tough. So we fear that. And, and we fear losing people that are close to us with all the sickness that's going on. And I get somebody close to me she could get sick and I could lose them. They, couldn't, they, could, might, they might not be there because of that illness. And so we fear that loss. It's a struggle that we all face. We can all kind of relate to this idea of, of what are you afraid of? So I think we get confused sometimes when we come to the scriptures and we see the phrase, fear the Lord. Like fear, you know, why would we even say that? Why would we say that? Why would we need or want to fear the Lord? Why would the Bible tell us to fear the Lord? Why would God say that we should fear him? It seems weird. Seems weird. Uh, we, we connect fear with something really aversive, right? I don't want that in my life. I'm afraid of that. And uh, we don't want to be afraid. We, we want to be free from fear, right? I, I know I do. But, but I, I guess the realistic question is, is to ask, is, is that really possible? Is it really possible to be free from fear? But, but the Bible says in many places, I think I looked it up someplace this weekend, and it said that, that it says in the Bible like 80 times, that little phrase, fear not. Like, I, I remember memorizing a scripture as a young boy. Um, it's, it's when Joshua is taking over the Israelites and he's getting ready to bring them into the, uh, the promised land. And in Joshua chapter one, uh, the, the, the message from God is, uh, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for I'm with you wherever you may go. So, so that's all the way through the Bible as well. And in another place in the New Testament, uh, John, the apostle, says perfect love casts out all fear. So how do we, how do we reconcile this idea of, of, okay, we're supposed to fear the Lord and then, and then do not fear? And so what's, what's really the deal here? How do we reconcile 
that sort of stuff. Well, I, I think what we can do, I think what we can do is we can, we can think of some analogies, uh, some metaphors in our life that, that might help us with this and, and, and pull in the truths of the Scripture where it says, fear not, but fear the Lord, and then put those together and kind of understand what we're saying and why we're saying and why the Bible says to fear the Lord. Why, why would that need to be said when, he, when it says fear not in so many other places? Well, I, consider uh, we live close to the ocean, right? Uh, we, we live in a place where we can uh, go down and we can enjoy the ocean. Guys like going out to uh, Jack's Beach, right, and, and walking along the shore and finding seashells and shark's teeth and letting the water run over your feet, right? That's awesome. Some of you like to get out in the water, go a little bit deeper, and, and you like to, to body surf, right, or, or boogie board or just go surfing or uh, paddle boarders. Any paddle boarders in, in the room? Nobody, really? Some of you, nobody paddle boards. I thought everybody was paddle boarding these days. Oh, well, okay, it's fine. So kayaking, Kay- hey, kayaker, right, right there. Okay, so, so yeah, that, that's the thing. We, we uh, go and we enjoy the ocean, and man, we are blessed. We are really blessed to live this close. I mean, there's peop- there are people in our nation who they plan their whole vacation around getting to the beach, right? Like every year, go to the beach so they can take pictures of their toes, you know, at looking at the beach and like, hey, look, I'm at the beach, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, some people never get to the beach, right? They never get to the ocean because they're landlocked and maybe they can't afford a vacation over here or down to the Gulf or, or wherever to enjoy the ocean like we get to enjoy. We can get out here, out here on McCormick Road, take a right, and in 10 minutes we're in Hannah Park, right? Just that close. Some of you even live closer. It's great. But there's, there's while there's a, a wonderful goodness about the ocean. There's also this little thing about the ocean that can be very, very dangerous because it's, it's a pretty powerful thing, the ocean is. It's like the, those, those uh, people who get out of there and, and, and maybe it's a little rough and there's a rip current. Get caught in a rip current. Ever been caught in a rip current? It's tough. Man, that thing drags you out. You feel powerless. Man, it's pulling you under, pulling you out, and you're like all the way, way out from the shore and you start to panic. You start to swim and you you're like, ah, this is overwhelming. This is powerful. I, I can't deal with this. Or, or some of, some of you have heard of stories, maybe news stories, of people who have gone out fishing, gone out in their boat, their boat breaks down, and man, we never hear from them again, never see them. The ocean is that vast and that powerful, and, and, and you just can't find them because it's so big. Or, or a storm. We live close to the ocean, and we'll get these tropical storms and hurricanes and all of this stuff coming in and just the, the storm surge, the damage it can do. And you're like, wow, the power of the ocean. And there's that amazing respect that it can overwhelm and t- really take our lives if, if we were in the wrong spot and we didn't treat it in just the right way. There's another uh, illustration I'd like to, to consider, a little metaphor that I'd like to consider. It's a, the idea of a, a fire, right? We... we <laughs> I loved to go camping with my family when I was young. We'd go out, Hannah Park out here, we'd reserve a spot, set up a little campfire, and you know, roast some marshmallows, or some hot dogs, and man, it was nice feeling the warmth of the, the fire at, when it was starting to get cool at night, and it was just so enjoyable to be there. Where we were singing songs or were telling stories or just, just watching the fire burn and consume the wood. It was great, right? You probably experienced stuff like that too, maybe in your fireplace or whatever. But 
Think about the fire and what they're experiencing out on the West Coast. Right? You don't see people walking up to the fire there and roasting marshmallows. They're getting out of Dodge. They're taking off. They want to get as far away from that stuff as they can because why? That fire is so huge, so big, it's destroying homes, destroying communities. We need to be praying for some Pacific typhoon to come in and just wet it all down and they can start over again because it's nasty out there. It's scary. Why? Because that fire that's so good and so enjoyable as a campfire, man, it is out of control and that big, it can just come through and sweep and just destroy everything in its path. And it just eats everything, just consumes it all, all to ash. You know, people's lives, their, their memories, everything they've, they've accumulated over the years. It's scary because it's powerful. It's good, but it's powerful. Now, let me, let me share with you one more, one more analogy um, that, that I think helps. And this is, this is from a, a book, all right? Uh, you guys may be familiar with an author by the name of C.S. Lewis. Familiar with C.S. Lewis? Yeah, some of you are. Good, good, good. He uh, uh, lived, uh, and uh, he's since passed, but he, he lived and wrote uh, many, many books, and he was an apolog- apologist. He would, he would write to defend the Christian faith, but for many years he, he was an atheist, but then he came to faith. And so uh, he, he wrote books, but one of the types of books that he loved to write were, were children's books. And he wrote this series of books called The Chronicles of Narnia. You guys uh, familiar with The Chronicles of Narnia? Well, there's one book in the series called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay, and there's a picture of of one of the main characters in the series of the Chronicles of Narnia. And that guy is Aslan, right? Aslan. So you guys, you guys know it. Yeah, so there you go. So that's Aslan the lion. All right, so, so there are these four characters in, in the book, in, of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and they're children. There's a, let me see if I get this. There's Lucy, and there's Edmund, and then there's Susan and Peter. Did I get that right? C.S. Lewis fans got it all right. Okay, so they're, they're being introduced to the land of Narnia, right? And they go in. Some of you have probably seen the movie. It was very popular several years ago. So anyway, they come into the land, right? And they're being introduced to the land. There's all these fantastic beasts, you know, that can talk and stuff. And so they, they encounter Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And they're a sweet little couple that live in a beaver dam there on the river. And so the, the beavers, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, are introducing them and talking with them. And so there's this conversation uh, because the children have not met Aslan yet, all right? In fact, Aslan's far off, and he's getting ready to come, and he's going to do some great things because he's the mighty lion. So here's this interaction when they're just discovering about Aslan. So Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, one of the children, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So what you find here in the story of the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is that C.S. Lewis used some metaphors, right? Like we're using some metaphors this morning to kind of understand this idea of the fear of the Lord. Used a metaphor, and, and, and it was the lion, Aslan, as kind of a Christ figure. And as you read the story or watch the movie, you kind of see it. You're like, oh, okay, I see how he's kind of a Christ figure. You know, it's not, you know, word for word, this symbolizes this from the Bible. 
C.S. Lewis doesn't do that, but he, he does set up some, some metaphors in his books where he says, okay, this is like Christ. And that was Aslan, the lion. The lion who is powerful, dangerous, it's not safe, but powerful and good. Lots of good things come from Aslan, but he's powerful. You don't just trifle with him. He's not to be trifled with. He's a powerful lion, but he is good. And so there's a, there's a respect that we have for the power of a lion. You know, you don't just go traipsing up to a, a lion in the wild. There's, there's a respect that we have for the power of fire. I want to start lighting fires in our living room, right? There's a respect that we have for the power of the ocean. And I think that we can appreciate the idea that the biblical writers are trying to convey with these kinds of analogies, and other writers are trying to convey with these kinds of analogies. They, they say that God has incredible power, worthy of our respect and awe. God is incredibly loving toward us, giving us his word and his presence for our good. He shares his way of life, the way of wisdom, so that we can live in a relationship with him and others. So he's incredibly good. But this idea of walking in the path of wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with the fear of the Lord. It's such an incredible commodity, wisdom is. It's such an incredible commodity that it says this. It says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. Let me break that down a little bit for you, okay? Better a little. That means it's better off to be poor and not have anything and fear the Lord. Have this respect and awe because it's the path of wisdom. Better to have that than great treasure, like everything you could ever want, and turmoil, which is what you get when you lack wisdom, when you lack the fear of the Lord. It's better to be poor, have the fear of the Lord, and be going the path of wisdom than to have great treasure and turmoil. And some of you have walked that path. You've walked the path of going after great treasure, whatever it is, and you know what turmoil that has led to in your life. And some of you have also, you've drank deeply of the fear of the Lord, and you understand the sweetness that is there and it's available. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to, I want us to dream a little bit as we get to a point of, of applying this to our individual lives, this idea of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because we have to start there. We have to understand, why is it I fear the Lord? What is it about the Lord that I fear? His power, His might, His all. He created all that there is. He spoke this world into existence. I think sometimes what we do is we small-size God. Oh, He's just a loving father-type figure, bearded guy that we can come to for a hug every so often. That is not the God that is described in the Word. This is a mighty, awesome, powerful being that just through his very will, his very word, he spoke all that there is into creation. And that is a being worth our respect and awe. And when we right-size this God and begin with the fear of the Lord, the, fear, the rightful honor that he deserves, then we can walk the path of wisdom. Not before. So let's get to a point of application 
and what this means for all of us this morning. And I hope I, I touch on some aspect of your life today in, in speaking to you about the, each of these individual wisdom choices that will happen. When the fear of the Lord is in the right place and you make the choice to, to choose wisdom this week. All right? So imagine what this week would look like if we made more wise choices than foolish ones. Think of the foolish choices you've made this last week. Think about it for a second. You're like, yeah, done that. Said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, foolish choice. Think of it. You know it. Okay? Imagine if you so respected God, so had the fear of God in your life, so respected him and his power and authority that you, that you willingly chose the path of wisdom in your day-to-day life. For example, what if you chose this week to answer with a song rather than a harsh tone? Proverbs 15, 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We fear the Lord, and we're willing to take the path of the answer. Some of us, we struggle with the soft answer, don't we? We struggle with the soft answer. When somebody comes yelling at us, especially if it's about something that's really near and dear to our heart, it's really hard not to come, come out with the, the soft answer. It's tough. I hope you're tracking with me because it's tough for me too. But if we chose the soft answer, what would this week be like? How would this week be different than last week if we all chose the soft answer? Well, I think we'd have fewer disagreements. Now, stay with me. We still have disagreements, fewer disagreements that escalate into fighting and hurtful words. If we chose the soft answer, if we so respected God and, and honored him in such a way that we said, I'm going to choose the path this week. I'm going to choose the path of wisdom and allow the soft answer to come out of my mouth rather than the harsh answer. I I think that would happen. I think we'd have fewer disagreements escalate up into into fights, into hurtful words, if we just chose on our side. Not what the person, you you can't control what they do, but you can choose the soft answer. You can. Okay, teenagers. I'm a student pastor here, so got to pull the teenagers in, all right? Teenagers, let's talk to you a little bit. What if, what if you chose to listen to your father's instruction and not forsake your mother's teaching? What if you chose to do that this week? That, this is the path of wisdom. This is in Proverbs, Proverbs 1.8. It's right at the beginning. The stuff they say at the beginning is really important in these collections. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 1.8. What happens if, that, if you do that, if, you, if teenager, you choose the path of wisdom this week, if you so fear and reverence and honor God that you say, this is what I'm going to do. Here's what I think might happen. I think we'd have fewer teenagers grounded, right? Yeah, give me that phone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're not using that, that computer this week or whatever it is. We'd have fewer teenagers grounded and, and we'd have more parents feeling respected, feeling honored. And in another place in the Bible, it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. It says, honor your father and mother. All of those things are in there. So when we right-size this God of ours and truly respect him for who he is, we follow the path of wisdom. You see, where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord 
honoring him, respecting him, means we honor and respect his word and what he says and what he tells us to do. When we don't honor and respect him rightly, when we don't put him in the right place, we will discard his teaching. When you, don't, when you sin, you're discarding God's teaching. You're, you're dishonoring God. It is an affront to him when we disobey his word. The fear of the Lord, the honor of the Lord, the respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If that's just the thing that you repeat over and over your head every morning, you get up, this is my meditation. I'm going to chew on this. I'm going to meditate on this today and throughout the week. I believe God would bless and honor that in your life as you allow wisdom to begin to flood your mind and your heart. As you begin to meditate on it, it begins to fill your mind, it begins to change you. That's what the Word does. That's why we say, read the Word. Read the Word over and over again. And you say, well, I've read that. Read it some more. Meditate on it. The Bible says, blessed is the one who meditates on the Word day and night. Meditate on it. Even if you don't understand it, just read it and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm going to come back to it and allow it to fill me, and then I'm going to go forward. Okay, let's, let's go forward with a, a couple more of these examples. Parents, okay, I'm going to pull you in on this. Some of you are parents in here. What if you chose to train up your children according to the way God made them and in accordance with his plan for their lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. What that means is you, you recognize God has a certain way that that child has been designed and you guide him in accordance with that and you guide, him, guide him in a, and her in accordance with his will. and his, Not according to your will, not according to your wants, according to what the Lord wants for that child and how the Lord has designed that child. Your child is not you. Your child is a, a wonderful, loving gift and blessing from the Lord. And you have been stewarded with the responsibility of leading that child to be what God wants them to be. Parents, what if you decided, I'm going to do this. I'm going to see my child for who he or she is, and I'm going to train him or her up in the way that he or she should go. I think that we have more children and teenagers taking steps toward God and His design for their lives. Okay, last one. What, this is for all of us, what if we, all of us, just decided that through prayer, through conversation and accountability, if we just encouraged one another, through prayer, conversation, and accountability. Like it says, as iron sharpens iron, one man or woman sharpens another. It's like we need each other to strengthen one another. It's, it's, it's harder to cut with an iron implement if it's not been sharpened with another something hard to, to sharpen it. The biblical me, uh, metaphor is iron against iron. They use that to sharpen a, a, a knife or a, a, a sword or, or whatever they're using. And, and as one person sharpens another... So, uh, we, we learn, and we grow, and we're encouraged, and we're strengthened. And I think especially during this time when we're forced into quarantine and forced into isolation, if we took this advice, if we took this to heart and began to encourage and to pray and hold one another accountable and, and just talk to one another, there would be less loneliness and less isolation if we took this to heart. If we took this to heart. But all of it starts with respecting and honoring God rightly. Because we could read this all day long. And if we don't trust that the author of this, 
the Spirit of God inspiring the biblical writers to write it down, that this is God's Word, if we don't recognize that He deserves our reverence, our fear, our honor, and that what He says matters, then, then we won't do that. We'll fear other things more than that, and we'll take, we'll take those circumstances. I'm afraid of this, so I'm going to react this way. I'm fear, I fear missing out, so I'm going to react this way. We fear the Lord. We honor the Lord. We respect Him first and foremost, and then we live in accordance with His will. That's the starting place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Can I pray with you before we finish out today? Is that all right? Lord God, I'm challenged by what your word says. I know it's sometimes confusing when we read, and I, I understand that it's, it's because sometimes because of our limited understanding, our, our, our minds are just, they're, they're not big enough to, to get it. But, but God, you so graciously have given us your word. You've given us your son, the perfect expression of yourself, You've given that to us so that we can know you and we can walk in wisdom. Lord, I pray that we would take your word to heart. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that we make a difference this week, that you would teach us through your word, that we would take these words and we would um, apply them and use them and, and not forget that we need to honor you and place you in highest respect in the highest place in our lives. Lord, forgive us when we've allowed other things to influence our lives, allowed other things to push us in certain directions, and we've not allowed you to be in your rightful place. We have, we have downsized you, God, and we ask for your forgiveness for that. We've thought of other things that are more powerful in our lives. We've thought of other things that we fear more. God, I pray that you would help us to right-size you. God, you are great, awesome, Amazing. Thank you for the wonderful worship that we, we had this morning that we could say, God, you are worthy. We want to build our lives on your foundation, a sure foundation, a strong foundation. So as we, as we go out into the world today, I pray that we would have a heart of wisdom that would begin with the fear of the Lord. Lord, we know there's a better way, and we thank you for it, the way of wisdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name.